Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. back with another live episode of Bully Ball on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez. Steph, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop right now where, what is Jay going to say? I'm going to say, I can't believe that it took me so long to start what we do in the shadows on FX. It's such a good show, and that's my biggest takeaway from this weekend. I I have not heard of that show, but I will I will check it out. I started watching... Uh, the new season of the morning show on Apple TV. That one is really good, but um, you know, we're not here to talk, uh, you know, favorite TV shows. We're not? No, man. I mean, season I'm sure at some point you're going to throw in that. like a quote, like some very obscure, very specific quote from like a TV show or movie. Um, <laughs> and so we'll probably talk about that at some point. But Jay, I want to know what it was like to be in the Bay. You got to go to the game on Sunday. How was your trip? Um, if I look a little tired, it's because I'm exactly exhausted. Um, you know, leaving San Jose, real quick, funny story. Leaving San Jose, it's kind of troubling when the pilot says that they have to unplug the plane as if it was a modem. <laughs> um, and I said, ah, okay. Um, that's generally how you fix your internet. Not sure that's a fix for a plane. But the problem is, and you know, flying into San Jose, that there are connecting flights. So if you don't take off on time from San Jose, you can miss your connector. And I spent a little bit more time in Minneapolis than I would have liked. But hey, I made it. It was cool to be out there. The only problem is, is I brought the bad weather with me. It rained 
uh, a lot that that first day that I got there. And then the day of the game, it was just like the same temperature. It wasn't the East Coast. I was just like, what the hell am I doing here, man? Like, what? Like, why is this like desirable? Well, at least it didn't rain for the game. I mean, I, I, well, I mean, I'll take my wins where I can get them at this point because <laughs> there were so few. I mean, there was a big 49ers win, and I think that's what everybody wants to talk about. But it was, yes, and what we do in the shadows is hilarious. It's such a good show. Um, so you know, being in the stadium, I think a lot of a lot of times I'm sitting here trying to be objective. I'm watching the game, I'm writing things down so I can remember things. You kind of forget that fan energy, and that was a lot of fun to be around, right? And and the the to be in the stadium when George Kittle didn't get the call on the on the defensive, you know, PI that everybody thought it would be, mm-hmm. and like to hear the fans. It's like, you know, in the <laughs> In the house, I would be like, man, that's a bad call. But, like, everybody else is screaming expletives. I think I kind of miss that stuff. I miss, like, that energy, that type of energy. And, um, Chris, thank you for the donation. Tuesdays are usually busy for me and never see you guys live, but I ha- but have a little bit of support. Thank you for that. Love the content and banter. A little more personality than the OGs. Keep it up. Whoa. I uh, appreciate you, Chris. Thank you so much for that, man. But, but stuff like the tailgating, right, and and going out and seeing people and speaking about the team, that that stuff I kind of really miss. So that that part, like, while I'm complaining about the flights, going to the game is still super fun, and, and, and it still is fun no matter how many times you do go. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great to have the energy of Levi's there, even the away games, and I know you've been to quite a few. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to more away games, but I know it's great because the 49er fans travel so well and they always bring the energy wherever they go. So, yeah, it's a it's a different kind of experience getting to see things live. Sometimes you do miss things. Like, as content creators, I kind of sometimes hate watching games live just for that specific aspect, that sometimes mm-hmm. I do miss things that maybe I would watch on TV. So then I got to go watch the game, like, back again, like the broadcast. But there's nothing like the energy. So you can't get that anywhere else. You can't get that through the TV uh, so yeah, it's always fun when you're when you're in the house. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of what stopped me from tweeting about the game because there's so many things that happen and you really can't see everything from in the stands. I was able to definitely watch the film on the way home. I watched it twice. Let's start with the offense because that was the most fun to watch. I mean, the the first touchdown, the first touchdown was just genius, just like little subtle things. I don't want to say genius, right? Because that's gonna be like go oh, hyperbole. But it was just genius, subtle little things, right? Christian McCaffrey just takes a few steps in motion. And by the time he's across the the formation, Devin White has no chance to catch him. And it's an easy layup. And it's like little things like that are how you can spring people open. And when you have a player as special as McCaffrey to execute it, it looks easy like that. And and that I noticed in the stadium. Like I literally was pointing it out to the person I was with and, you know, their eyes kind of crossed. But I was trying to explain like. You know, how just a subtle movement, right? Moving everybody that way and mm-hmm. then bringing him back across fast on, on a sprint. There was no chance for Devin White. Actually watching the film again, it looked like there were not pick routes, but there were two routes that were run right over the top of it just to kind of, in case Devin White just happens to run into somebody, um, it would make it easier for McCaffrey. But that first touchdown drive, it was, it was incredible. I want to start with Brock Purdy, man. Mm-hmm. He was great. He was great. Four incompletions, three touchdown passes. Again, I, I, I don't want to talk about rankings, anything like that. I am just going to objectively call it what it is. Perfect passer rating. The last guy to do that, Joe Montana. Like, objectively, he is playing great football. I don't know what else needs to be said, Steph. Yeah, I mean, and, and just to go back on the offense really quick as a whole, like, as it stands, they rank seventh best in offensive DVOA since 1981. 
think about that. And I, I think I saw someone point out that three of the top seven were coordinated by a Shanahan. So either Kyle or, or Mike Shanahan, right. right? So that just tells you how prevalent and, and awesome this, this scheme is. And you were just talking about some of the things you watched on film. Those are things you can catch each and every week when it comes to this offense and especially the way we're seeing it now and how it's being executed. I love to see like Kittle staying involved in this game. I like to see that they, it seems like they have a consistent downfield target in Brandon Ayuk. The 49ers continue to be comfortable throwing downfield. Like Purdy is at 9.7 yards per attempt for the season that leads the league. And since the merger, the only quarterback that's higher is Kurt Warner, whose full season YPA was 9.9. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's still a chance for, for Brock to reach that or beat that. But, you know, of course, there's a lot of football left. But it's just little things like that that I feel like the offense is definitely clicking. And what's crazy is that even despite all this, it still feels like there's some things that could stand to improve, right? Like uh, red zone, uh, third down conversions in the last two weeks that are eight of 22 on third downs. Um, they're now ranked 20th in third down conversions per game in the last two weeks, there were three of eight in the red zone. So is that's not me complaining. Like, obviously I'm very happy about the win. There's a lot to be excited about as far as the performance goes, but I'm just like, I'm starting to think ahead a little bit that maybe those two things, like not going to cut it against some better opponents. But again, there's still a, light, a lot to like about this offense. And Brock Purdy, man, he's been on a tear these last two weeks. 40 of 51, 629 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and then on Sunday, he attempted 25 throws. He was blitzed on 16 of those, according to PFF. And on those throws, he was 13 of 16, 231 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, his, his touchdown to Brandon Ayuk was maybe the best throw I've ever seen from him. It was a dot. And I think it was most impressive because, you know, everyone talks about, oh, Brock Purdy, he can't throw far and all these things. That one traveled, uh, 52 air yards, uh, before reaching Ayuk, according to Andrew, Andrew, uh, Pasquini, who so graciously did the math for us. Um, and I mean, I, I, I think also just like the off schedule, things that Brock Purdy is doing, like one of the plays that a lot of people have kind of shared the screen grab of Debo Samuel being so wide open. Uh, there wasn't anyone like within 20 yards of him. Uh, and that was on off schedule play. And, you know, we, even to this day, keep hearing people talk about Purdy being a product of the system. And I still have like debates with people about this. And, you know, people saying, if you take him out of this team, he's a nobody. Uh, and they use the previous quarterback, and I'm not going to say his name, as a reason to believe that Purdy is just the same kind of quarterback, right? But I'm going to continue trusting my eyes. And my eyes are telling me they are not the same. And and I've known for a while, but Kyle on KNBR last week said that he wants a guy who gives the team a chance to win the game, not a guy who is just hoping everyone else wins it for Shots them. fired. <laughs> that was a bar, by the way. That was a bar. And it so, is. like, that quote But at the right same there, time, it's like, man, Jim, Jimmy's sitting somewhere in Vegas, like, what, what did he say? What, uh, catching what, straight. What did I do? Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting on the bench. That's what he's doing. 
But oh, like man. that that spoke volumes to me because like it told me everything I needed to know and everything like it confirmed what I already knew about Purdy because he brings a skill set to a team, his own skill set that it didn't have before that I think the offense is now benefiting from, right? Like he he just adds a little bit extra to this offense. So it's a two-way street. He is benefiting, of course, from the scheme, from the playmakers. But I also think, you know, Purdy brings something to the table too that the offense is now benefiting from. I just want to throw out this um, before I kick it back to you. Um, Nick Wagner uh, posted this stat from 2017 to 2022. Jimmy Garoppolo was six of 40 with two touchdowns and six interceptions on throws traveling 30 or more air yards. That's in a span of five seasons, okay? In 10 games this year, Brock Purdy is five of nine, so of course not as many attempts downfield, but he's two touchdowns and zero interceptions on throws 30 or more air yards. So that's just one example where you could kind of like quantify the difference between the two. But there are countless more that show up on tape, so – I'm going to just continue to say that Purdy's on a different level and he's operating this offense at a different level. That's why we're seeing some things, some new wrinkles that maybe we hadn't seen before. And Kyle is loving it, man. He, he loves Brock. I love Brock. Uh, And I just want to ask you something really quick, uh, Jay. Do you think that Brock should be back in the MVP conversation? Well, Chris Waddell, thank you for the donation. He thinks so. Purdy back in the MVP talk right now. He oh. is plus 1,800 for it. I think it's it's actually more of a conversation now because there is no clear MVP front runner right now, right? I think, right, like when you look at this, it's a quarterback award. But what quarterback has exactly blown people away for this entire time where it's like, man, he's an MVP front runner? I mean, if anything, I think the most – dangerous and consistent person that's valuable it might be Tyreek Hill and that's strange to say right like so he has to be in this conversation because we watched last night unfortunately Patrick Mahomes thanks a lot Chiefs for nothing thanks a lot Marquez Valdez Scantling for nothing thanks a lot Justin Watson for nothing because he was throwing the ball and getting a drop um Jalen Hurts doesn't look like an MVP candidate like and and all the other guys it, it it's it's no one clear thing, like right? So he, it, he has to be in this conversation. And when you play games like this in a row, it has to put you in there. I think there's a number, the the person who leads in, um, if it's not QBR or something like that, the quarterback, the last five seasons has been the one who has won the MVP. And right now, Brad Purdy leads, I think, in that, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. So, yeah, he has to be in the conversation. But, you know, you look at the Brandon Ayuk play, which I believe is the longest pass play from scrimmage this season. That's impressive. And that was amazing to be in the stadium for. And definitely that's the best yeah. throw that I've seen from Brock Purdy and probably from a quarterback not named Steve Young uh, in a long time, right down the sidelines, right? Um, dropping the bucket. He probably couldn't have handed it to him um, any better than he did. But what? while everyone's on that, I went back and I watched and I'm watching a guy who is anticipating and throwing the ball before guys' heads are even turned around or before they're out of breaks and and layering throws. All that stuff looks normal, right? And that's why it doesn't get praised. It looks easy. But we haven't seen a quarterback do that. You know, I don't want to keep picking on Jimmy or anybody else. It's right. It's like people have to be wide open. Purdy throws it before they are, sees it before they are, layers it in between, right? And you you don't fear the ball leaving the screen. 
those are the throws that I'm impressed with. Everybody's going to be on that IU throw, right? And that and that for good reason because it was an incredible throw. But my goodness, man, there was a uh, there was a throw um to Ayuk on the other side of the field in which he throws it and he he doesn't even know if Ayuk's going to get open and kind of just puts it out there hoping that he will or or trusting and the ball's just right on him, like right where it is. And then the the layer throws where the ball's like right on guys' faces and and being able to put the ball wherever he can. You talked about improvement. There is some improvement to be had in terms of understanding where the rush is coming from. I, I want to say two of the sacks were just on free rushes that could have been checked. Um, you could have slid somebody. Uh, you could have slid right somebody over, but you had free rushes. So it wasn't necessarily anything other than that. That's going to come with experience as well, too. No quarterback's perfect. But my goodness, man, I, I don't know that I can remember a quarterback playing that well in a game where just everything was just easy, right? Like, I mean, you could say, hey, Debo Samuel's running wide open. Sure, that's, again, scheme, playmakers for sure. But what's the excuse for the IU throw on the sideline? What's the excuse for, um, you know, throwing the ball in between um, a linebacker and a safety? Th- those are things that we just we just didn't see before, right? And And Brock is an aggressive thrower of the ball downfield, but aggressive is fine. If you're not hitting him, that it doesn't matter. And and you're starting to see, no matter what anybody tells you, right? Oh, the the offense is predicated on quick passes, all of those things. Yeah, that's true. But Kyle has those shots dialed in, and they've been in the offense. They have. They just weren't taken. And if you think that Kyle doesn't want those shots taken, especially if they have an advantageous matchup, and you think that he just wants everything in the middle of the field or a slant, anything like that, then you're just sorely mistaken. And And he is having a ton of fun right now. Um, calling this offense. And Chris, thank you for another donation. Very generous. Uh, Vegas has Hertz as MVP favorite, I think, at plus 250. Um, who could argue, right? They they won another muddy game. Um, I just, they find ways to win, man. Nine interceptions. Yeah, I mean, he has, he has. And, I mean, he didn't throw a touch. He threw one touchdown pass yesterday. I know he ran for two. Um, yeah, for two. But, like, my thing is, for for the way that the season's kind of gone, I haven't really seen someone that I'm just like, that's the MVP. Like, he's just balling. Like, for a few weeks, I thought it was Lamar. For a few weeks, I thought Josh Allen figured it out. You know, and it just, it, it, it could be anybody at this point. There's a lot of time left. I don't know if I remember a time where we're in week 11, where it's like so up in the air. And it's anybody's award to get. But, yeah. Um, bottom line, and this is really, really big analysis here. So, just sit back and, and make sure you take this in. Brock Purdy's playing really good football. Boom. That's how you nail that one down. Okay. <laughs> it is good to see George Kittle, though, uh, continuing to be a part of the offense. Uh, four straight games over 70, um, another touchdown. The, it's Kittle, Ayuk, Debo. If I tell you before the game, Steph, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, McCaffrey are, are going to score. Um, they're going to have big games. You say 49ers win by how much? I mean, probably 20. Right. Right. And, and that's the thing is – Keeping everybody involved, and, and and that's the thing. It's like there were so many games where we look and we're like, man, well, is Kittle blocking? Why isn't he getting any throws? But they're picking right back up and at the right time, especially, too, with this game that we've got coming up in two days, which I'm like my stomach is already um, churning um, just from PTSD, and obviously you guys know why. Um, but only one target went to someone other than Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, or CMC. That's That's good. I think that's really good. I think that's – Kyle Shanahan, I know you're watching. I think <laughs> this, this is probably your best course of action. Throw the ball to your best players, hand the ball to your best players, and then let them do football player stuff. I mean, that's just high-level analysis there as well, too, Steph. 
Yeah, I thought it was interesting that yesterday, speaking with the media, like Kyle Shanahan kind of suggested that Kittle's maybe lack of involvement early in the season was due to him like still trying to come back from injuries and, and injuries nagging and things like that. That always seems to be the excuse. I don't know if that's for sure the case, um, but it definitely seemed like with Debo dealing with his injury a few weeks ago, it kind of forced the 49ers to, you know, rediscover Kittle as a target. Right. And they've kept him involved, which at this point feels like a bonus for this offense. Anytime you can get him involved, it just feels like a little extra. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, getting ice cream after dinner kind of thing. Like, you know, it's just a little extra. Um, and look, before we move on from like the offense, I, I just want to mention this, this one last thing about Brock. Um, you know how you know, like Beyonce has an off on stage like alter ego. Um, yeah. yeah, for those of you that don't know, Beyonce, Sasha Fierce. Who, yeah, yeah. So Beyonce, who speaks like in person, or I don't, I've never talked to her in person, but you if haven't? you see her in interviews and stuff, like she's super shy, low key, like very soft spoken. Um, and on stage, she's like this, you know, beast. She's singing and, and dancing her ass off off the charts performer and entertainer and so <laughs> uh and so when <laughs> when i think about that and yeah her alter ego is sasha fierce when i think about like brock purdy and i see him play i kind of feel like he kind of has like an alter ego of his own like when he's on the field right he just has this like swagger and confidence to him especially when he has like big plays or touchdown you know you you, you see the celebrations you know oh, yeah. you, you've seen them um, so I don't know off the field, obviously he's like super humble and like down to earth kid from Arizona, but on the field, he's BCB and I love that for him. It just, it's nice to, you know, him showing that little, I don't know, raunchy side of it. I don't know what you would call it. Like it, it's just kind of extra. I mean, he just, he it's seems extra. locked in. He's, he's yeah. just locked in, yeah. right? Like he just, he's, uh, he's someone who's. Mode. Yeah, like he walks in the room in a press conference and looks like the cool substitute teacher. And then on the field, he turns into somebody completely different. And and I think that that's how everybody should be, right? Like everything has to be even keeled. But when you're on the field, I like guys to show emotion, especially when you are playing as well as Brock Purdy is. So shout out to you, Brock Purdy. Keep on going, man. This is this is a good feeling, man. All of this, all of this good quarterback play, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Defensively. Defensively. 38 pressures by the defensive line. Crazy. 38-12 by Eric Armstead. Hello, Eric Armstead. Chase Young uh, was – Chase Young collapsed the pocket, I believe, on one of his when I was watching it back. I, was, I mean, I saw it when it happened because he literally, like, walked down the, the left tackle and then yeah, – Yeah, Tristan Wirth, right? Like uh-huh, he, uh-huh. Yep. Um, Nick Bosa, double, uh, double sack day. My goodness, 38 pressures. Steve Wilkes. Not only do I want you to stay on the sideline, get that man a tent and do not let him leave the sideline. You are not leaving at all. Stay on the sideline um, is 
is it all that or is it just the addition of Chase Young or is it all those things, Steph? I, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. So while it's been great to see Wilkes on the sideline, it's not the only reason that, you know, we're suddenly seeing this defense start clicking again because they were clicking uh, in week five. They were clicking in, in moments through weeks one through five, right? So it, it's a accumulation of a lot of different things. But it is cool to see Wilkes on the sideline even still. Armstead, yeah, 12 pressures, 10 hurries, a sack. The most, his previous highest for pressures and hurries was week one of 2021 against the Lions when he had nine pressures and eight hurries. Think about like, okay, he he went 12 and 10. So that's a pretty like significant amount above that game. And I, I like what you said about the pressures because now like the 49ers defense has one of the lowest blitz percentages in the league. They're third least because they're getting home with the four guys up front now. And that's exactly what we've been waiting on right that's that was part of the reason that when they were blitzing just a little bit more we felt like "Mm, that doesn't really work with how this defense looks with how it normally operates and now they're getting back to getting after the quarterback with just four and now everything kind of seems to be in place right of how it used to be before so I like it Eric Armstead he definitely deserved his flowers in this game Fred Warner, another guy who had uh, a really awesome game. It was his birthday. He had 12 tackles. Man, I, I'm going to go through like some of his stats in this. Okay, all of his stats. But 12 tackles, a batted pass, a pass breakup, a hurry, a sack, forced fumble, seven stops, only 20 yards allowed in his coverage. I mean, he was, he was all over the place. And I want to credit him and Greenlaw for limiting Chris Godwin as much as he was in that game because they like to target Godwin in the intermediate level of the field. They kind of eliminated all of that, which they normally do, right? So that's why we didn't see Godwin um, get a catch until like the third quarter. Um, And he only had, I I believe, like 39 receiving yards. So credit to those guys as well. I mean, you talked about uh, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, I mean, there's just so many guys you could talk about on this defense that have been stepping up this last few weeks. They're back on top in in points allowed per game. They're back to being uh, third in opponent rushing yards per game. They lead the league in interceptions. They're second in takeaways, just one behind the Jags. I think they have uh, 19 total takeaways to the Jags, 20. And... Um, to go along with that, I think we saw a new wrinkle too that I hope sticks around. Like I, I saw a lot of pass breakups on on Sunday, right? It, it just seemed like the coverage was on point a little bit more than we had seen, right? So um, I, I also like the missed tackles was also improved. Uh, they had seven last week in Jacksonville, which was an improvement, uh, and then they had four against Tampa Bay. So I, I love to see it. Hopefully, they they continue on this path and. Kyle Shanahan was asked about like the defense yesterday too. And he kind of was like, yeah, like the, it's two good games and they're on the right path, but he kind of made it seem like, but we got to keep it going. Like it's two games, but I'm not getting too excited kind of thing. Like you better keep this up. So he, he still got the defense on notice a little bit. He's like, Steve Wilkes still got my eye on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other good thing before we like really dive into defense is that Trent Williams looks a lot better. One pressure, one hurry um, on the offensive side. So that's another good sign. And obviously he's getting healthier, but defensively, obviously 
the defensive line is going to get the the glory. Obviously, the big news right now is that Tano Hufunga um, is going to be out for the year. But the secondary, again, in nickel situations, it was Lenore inside. And every time it's outside, Lenore had himself a hell of a game. Um, I believe he allowed 14 yards. He was the highest graded um, coverage. Uh, no, no, no. The highest graded coverage player in the secondary was actually Tashawn Gibson. Um, and Lenore was right behind him. Uh, but Jair Brown is now going to step up. And, you know, we talked a lot about the third round picks, but I want to make sure I get this off without anybody me dismissing the, the loss of Hufanga. Mm-hmm. Tig's skill set mirrors Hufanga's, meaning play downhill, play fast, hitter, and the ball seems to find him. And if you don't believe me, take gets the interception in the end zone off of a tip pass that normally would have been where Hufanga would be standing. They have the same similar skill set. And I think the idea is eventually, whenever Tashawn Gibson moves on, whether that's next year or, or that, is to pair them both. And then you have two ball hawking, you know, fast players, right, right like that. So, okay. So 30, 30 snaps. He got a 70, 70-something coverage grade, I think, or, or overall defensive grade. But I'm not as afraid of the Hufanga loss because of Jair Brown and because of his skill set and because of what you can already see. The kid's already wise beyond his years. The reason that he wasn't playing was because they already have their two starters in Gibson and Hufanga. But now it's time for Tig to show out. And I think he he did a great job. And I think if there is some light at the end of the tunnel, because you never want to see Hufanga go down. By the way, Rashad White, that was not cool, man, at all, what you did to Hufanga. Uh, that was like, that was dirty. That was like, you didn't have to juke him like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't feel as, I don't feel as nervous about that spot. Maybe you feel nervous because Tig doesn't have experience. But their skill sets are so similar that they will play almost the same exact role. I'm not saying the defense won't miss a beat. I'm not saying the secondary won't miss a beat. But I have faith in Tig, man. I I really do. I think that he's going to be good. And I think that he's going to uh, be somebody who, down the stretch, we look at like, man, we got ourselves another guy um, in the draft. And, you know, with their first pick in the draft this year, it's good to see. I mean, it's not good to see that he's going to play because of the the cost. But he's going to get to contribute, and I think that's the good part. Yeah, Jay, like I remember one of your like preseason predictions for the year was that Tate was going to find his way onto the field at some point. And this was probably not the way that you imagined that happening, I'm sure, for, for him as well. Um, but I think some of the things that we were hearing, not just from Brown, like one of the things that he was saying – after the game was just how much preparation he was putting into eventually getting on the field. Right. Like as, as a player who's like second string, I I feel like they always have to be prepared no matter what. Right. So you got to prepare like you are a starter already because you never know when your name's going to be called. And it definitely felt like he kind of had that mindset. And one of the things that Kyle Shanahan said yesterday too was quote, Um, He's been practicing like he knew this moment was coming. He's been locked in extremely impressive for a rookie, end quote. So while, you know, some people wonder, okay, well, why wasn't he on the field before? Clearly, they had safety locked down with with Gibson and Hufunga already. But now this opportunity comes for him to pretty much show what he had been preparing for this whole time. And, you know, you are going to get those rookie moments. He had one in the game. Uh, when he 
gave up that that big completion to Kate Otten there. But I mean, the way he was able to respond after that, I think tells you everything you need to know about how he had prepared. He finished the game with four tackles, three pass breakups and an interception. Like that's that's a stat line. Some guys play the whole game to get and he did it in less than two quarters. Right. So I, I also have to acknowledge and give him flowers for the type of performance that he had in the type of situation that he was put in, like not just like coming in for Hufunga middle of the game, but just he was in some high pressure moments covering Mike Evans on a fourth and four. Right. Like that's not easy to do. And he didn't interfere with him. Uh, I think like the whole defense played a great down on that one, but yeah, I, I think Jair Brown is ready and I'm excited to, to see it. I get the sense he's a guy who like from everything we've heard, right? Like he's very mature. He's ready for this moment. So, and I like seeing young players get their shot and seeing what they do with it. So it's going to be something that I'm going to be, we'll, we'll all be following for the next few weeks. Yeah, and he's got to get ready for a big game on Thursday, uh, a big test with Lockett, uh, J- JSN, and DK Metcalf. Oh, goodness gracious. So, overall, this performance, I think, is is actually very encouraging because I thought and it felt like the game was going to go away, right? Like, it was just going to get away. And uh, shout out to Kev. Um, thank you for the donation, buddy. Sucks to see Huff go down for the year, but as you said, Jair Brown is sideline to sideline ball hawk, uh, free safety, and Gipper's more natural, strong safety anyway, I believe. Brown will be huge on the back end. Niner gang over everything. And that's the thing is the alignments, right? And 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 I, I don't like getting wrapped up in the whole like strong safety, free safety thing because they just move those guys around. It's a little bit like mm-hmm. that. But I did see a little bit like when I was at the game and then on the way back home on the flight watching the film, you know, you did see Jair in the free safety spot and move him around, right? Like I think he is like one of those chess high. Right. And it's the, that's what trust. I'm saying. Like, He's a chess piece, right? Like yeah. have him single high, have him free safety, have him strong safety, have him at the line, have him in the slot. You know, um, Snoopy Cortez says we should give Tart a call just to be Kate to be safe. I I am not against that at all. I am not against that at all. But you know, again, I don't know um how that would go. But but yeah, I mean, take it somebody that they can move around, you know, like you said, covering Mike Evans, right? Move like he's he's a chess piece. And I think again, I'm not downplaying the loss of Huff. But with his skill set and what we know about him, he can slide right into that role. Now, there's going to be bumps and bruises because obviously he's a rookie and that's fine. But for the most part, I feel like the defense can continue to move in this direction because of what Tig brings to this team. But the performance in this game, I feel like is a lot more encouraging because this game felt like you were about to you were about to see a blowout. And then it gets a little tense and it gets Mm -hmm. a little tense and it gets like. That's probably the closest to a tight win that the 49ers have had, even though the score wasn't indicative of, like, the two teams that were on the field. But you do kind of want to see those stands, right? You you do kind of want to see them make plays in the red zone when the game's on the line. Like, most of the time when the 49ers are winning, the game's over by that time in the fourth quarter. So it is a little bit more encouraging to see them right now go through those situations because they just haven't been tested in that way um, with the lead, right? Like, Either they're playing from behind, um, trying to win, or they're blowing people out, and the game's like out of out of reach, right? Like with a lead, now it's starting to tighten up. Now, what do you do? Like, can you and and you not letting it get away? So I thought that was encouraging as well, too. Yeah, because we've talked about it endlessly, and the team knows this. If they're playing their best ball, no one can beat them. 
the 49ers can beat themselves. And there yeah. were points in the in the first half and some of the stats that I mentioned with the third down in the red zone, some of those things kept the Bucks within somewhat of a striking distance, right? But I like the fact that they were able to lock in, I think, when it mattered most, especially on the defensive side. I mean, I kind of have gotten the sense all season that this defense has been bend, don't break. So, yeah, I, I've appreciated that effort in this game. It was a small glimpse of maybe, you know, what's to come in these next few weeks. But I'm I'm glad they could get some of that experience because, yeah, the only way that they've been used to winning is just blowing people out. Um, and, yeah, they, they won by, you know, two scores. But still, it's, it's nice to at least feel in a game for them to get that experience of, okay, we can lock in and we can tighten up the coverage. We could do this and that. Um, it wasn't easy, you know, like you're, you're going up against Mike Evans, a lot of situations in like the red zone where, where they were trying it. So, you know, at the end of the day, they, they got the win and, and they uh, tightened up where they needed to. Absolutely. So to put a bow on this one, Brock Purdy's really good. The defense was very good, especially up front. But now because it's Tuesday, there's a game on Thursday. Uh, yeah, and Steph's face said it all. For the audio listeners, you're not going to be able to see. She made the, Ugh. and let me be clear. The 49ers are certainly better than the Seattle Seahawks. But pardon me if I can't think about or remember Thanksgiving, Levi's Field, Levi Stadium. Yeah, look, there's something about the Seattle Seahawks that makes me uneasy all the time. If the Seattle Seahawks started their punter at quarterback, I'd be like, oh, God, I don't know. What what are they thinking, right? Like, I'd be like, oh, no, right. Um, Something about this game has been uneasy for me since the, the schedule came out and for obvious reasons. But the Seahawks are a little bit banged up. Looks like Kenneth Walker, he may not be on IR, but he's definitely not playing on Thursday. So they're going to be down to Zach Charbonnet from UCLA uh, at running back. Um, Gino had an elbow issue. Sounds like he's going to play. But if you listen to Pete Carroll speak, everything's great. DK Metcalf can have an amputated foot. And you say, well, I, I give him a pretty good chance to play on Sunday. Like, literally, that's everything's good with Pete Carroll, always. There's never any problem. It's never a problem. Like, oh, uh, broken leg for DK Metcalf. Well, I think he's got a chance to play on Sunday. You know, I feel really <laughs> good about it. Like, it's always, everything's always good. So when you Earth, hear him say, man. oh, yeah, it does, too. It's just like, dude, he's out. Stop messing around. Like, why are you being, like, um... Like if your if your player gives up twelve sacks, well, I think he had a really good game. No, he didn't. Like, no, he didn't. Like, just like what the hell? Um, but it sounds like he thinks Geno's gonna play. Um, the Seattle defense, obviously, on the outside with their corners, Witherspoon and Rick Woolen, um, they're very good. They're very good. That's a that's a hell of a duo out there. And then up front, you're not as worried about the pass rush. Um, but uh, they brought Frank Clark, Frank Clark back, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it's just less about the players on the field because it could have been, it could be anybody. But something about this game still is just I'm I'm anxious, and I I already wanted to be. It's like it's like when you take a test, like you know you studied, you know you prepared, but you just want to know that the test is over and that you passed or that you got like a high grade, right? Like that's how I feel about this game just because of the things that we've seen and how annoying Pete Carroll's been as a Seahawks coach and how that team plays the 49ers. 
it's I mean it's a rivalry, right? Like, and there's a lot of trauma for us 49er fans in thinking about this rivalry. So anytime that we have to play the Seahawks, all that gets brought up again, and that's where the uneasy feeling comes from. Uh, their defense is good; it's is really solid, but their offense has been the the one that's taken a step back this year, right? And so I think obviously if well, Ken Walker probably being out in this one, that's going to hurt him. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is a, a pretty good running back, but as I, I mentioned, he's a, he's, yeah, he's a rookie, though. Yeah, he's a rookie. And as I mentioned, like the 49ers defense is kind of getting back into their form and being able to stop the run as of late. Geno Smith, I do expect that he's going to play. Just the fact that he went back in there for that final drive for the Seahawks, I think tells you he wants to play. And that's a big, part of the equation there um so i think they know how big this game is especially because they lost on sunday against another divisional opponent in the rams Shout so out to the rams. they need this one they need this one really bad and so i yeah i think he's gonna play whether it impacts him any amount i don't know um i mean it's it's like that bruise in the elbow right so he he completed passes just fine at at the end of that game against the Rams so we'll we'll see how that does but they're a worse team on third down than even the 49ers are and the 49ers you know like i said it's an area they could improve but they're not that bad the Seahawks are 30th in the league ahead of just the two New York teams the Jets and the Giants that's not good they're converting just 31.7% of their third downs. They're 28th in red zone scoring percentage. So there's a lot with the offense that's not going right with them. So there's reason to feel good, but I'm with you, Jay. Even despite all of that, like I still don't feel good. Like, cause the, yeah. the Seahawks always try some, some stuff, nonsense, you know, like, yeah. No, you were going to yeah, say they try some bullshit. Some they're always on some tomfoolery, like yeah. against the, like, I don't know what it is, but Pete Carroll always like throws out some play. He's like maybe never tried before fake punt, or like fake yeah, field fake goal. Punt, like, yeah. come on, man. Yeah. Like uh, on, the referee, so. the, the referee is a, is the 11th player on the field and he catches a pass like that type of stuff, man. So, I mean, Steph didn't want to yeah. say it, but yeah, Seattle's always yeah, on some bullshit. Yeah, like I just, right. I, I, word I, I wanted to use my, my clear football objective mind says the 49ers are going to win this game and better. My my heart and my gut are scared to death because Seattle is so annoying. And let's get to some of these super chats. Uh, Vishal says, "Are we going to look for some depth and safety now? Who should we call?" I mean, it was already suggested about Tart. I I don't know what sh- sort of shape he's in. I don't know if he even wants to play football. Um, but I'm sure there's other guys out there as well too. Um, Silverado Kev again, thank you so much, man. Two more. One with both the offense and defense going conservative at the same time. Talking about the end of the game. Kyle and shotgun and short yardage both make me sick. Thoughts. Yeah, I'm with you, Kev. The the whole idea when you need a yard and you drop and you drop your quarterback back four yards uh to hand it off to somebody who's four yards, maybe to get him a running start. Um, I'm not saying to institute the tush push, but let's get under center and let's uh let's try to push that pile uh some way, right? So like I've always thought about that as well, too. And uh amp the Carolina Niner. Are we changing from a more physical team to more finesse? Is that why Debo doesn't seem to have a role? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think when you watch this game, um, especially up front, um, I think there were some issues with Spencer Burford again this week. If I'm not mistaken, he got like graded against 
in pass blocking again, yeah. like out of a hundred, like come on. Um, I don't think that they are. I think that the Bucks aren't exactly as physical um as the 49ers. So if it looks easy, I, I Debo has a role. I mean, they tried I if there was a bet out there on any sort of platform, is the first play gonna be a handoff to Debo? I would smash that bet every single game. I would smash that bet because I think it's like two of the last three that he's played in Cleveland. I know for sure the first play and then the first play uh, in Tampa. So they want to get him involved. It's just the way that Ayuk runs routes, the way that Kittle's been getting open and the way that they use CMC, there's always going to be one guy that's going to be left out to drive. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they're turning to finesse. What do you think, Steph? I, I also just don't think they've had to rely on their physicality as much right. in these last two games. Right. And certainly we didn't see the physicality during the losses, right? So it's been a minute, you know, since we've seen it, like the bully ball that we talk about and all that. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it, it's going to show itself one way or another again. And I think I would bet that we see it within these next few weeks, the stretch, because they are going to need their physicality for some of these games, uh, probably against the Seahawks, right? Because they always play the 49ers tough and they always play physical. So yeah, we're we're gonna see it this week, I think. And I almost feel like I know some people are speculating that you know Debo maybe isn't one hundred percent healthy yet. That's that's a possibility, sure. But I also feel like you know sometimes Kyle Shanahan, I I think he sets things up. You know, we always talk about like he sets things up in play to kind of just counter that like later in the game because you've seen it before, or you do the opposite, something like that. I feel like sometimes he sets things up in games too, like he'll for a few games, he'll, you know, we're seeing a lot of Kittle lately, you know, maybe, maybe Thursday is when we see a lot of Debo. I don't know if the, that, yeah. that's me speculating to well, hat on real quick. No. And that's, and that's very fair, right? Because off of a short week, right. And, and it is a little bit of travel and David Henry Edmondson, thank you for the donation, by the way. Um, there is an idea that possibly someone else can step up. And and I forgot to talk about this on offense. And I know it's going to sound silly, but please hear me out. Elijah Mitchell had four carries for 24 yards, but that's the best that Elijah Mitchell has looked yeah. in a long time. Now, you have a short week. You're going on Thursday, right? And obviously, it's it's Mitchell got four carries in a row on one drive, and then Kyle was like, all right, enough. Like, get, get on the sideline. That was it. Like, for enough for him. But what if it is a little bit more Elijah Mitchell this week, you know, because you do expect the game to get a little, you know, you might have to punch them back and, and, and play ball control. You know, maybe, maybe your offense isn't, you know, humming the way that it has been and, and you're not getting the big plays that you notice. Right. Um, And maybe, you know, Debo is a little less used on Sunday because Thursday is a game when you're going to out physical, right? Like you, he's going to run the ball a little bit more. Right. So, it all, I think it all goes by one personnel, two by health, obviously, and three kind of just setting it up. Like on a short week, I think we've talked about it. The 49ers have had the least amount of rest in between the games, and they've come, they've played, they're going to play four teams this season off of a bye. Um, they have the most travel miles. A lot of this stuff, maybe from the bye week, was about figuring out how to spread everything out. Certain games, we're going to do certain things. And we're going to go case by case, right? So you have a game where all these guys go off on Sunday. Well, Thursday, you know what? Maybe you get a little bit more Elijah Mitchell. You get a little bit more Depot because you may not have those explosives that you were having against the Bucs. It may be one of those grinded out games that I think it's going to be. Spoiler alert, right? Like it's going to have to be ball control. Maybe your defense isn't playing as well as you think, right? Like you have to have all of those things in your mind. 
Again, the 49ers are better than the Seattle Seahawks. And I don't think it's as close as people believe or some people will believe. But it is the Seattle Seahawks, and it is on a short week, and it is in Seattle, and there are things that happen in that stupid stadium, and it's always like it, it's always some nonsense, right? Like uh, Geno throws it, it bounces off a referee's arm, and like, and it goes in the locket's hands, touchdown, and it's just like there's nothing you can do about it. There's always something fluky that goes on with the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm starting to think it wasn't a Russell Wilson thing; it's a Pete Carroll thing. It is a Pete Carroll thing, and he's been the guy in the shadows that we really need to find and not let coach anymore um but yeah that, i think that's i think that's really where at least my head's at at least with the tinfoil but elijah mitchell looked very good in his four touches he looked like the guy who actually you know had the most rookie rushing yards in 49ers history like that guy who was hitting holes and he was getting downhill and when i watched it back you notice his emotion because i think he feels it too and i think he's starting to to get the juice back so i mean that look i'm not trying to be optimistic or like overly optimistic or delusional, but this is two straight weeks in which, you know, after the Jaguars game, I said the same thing. I was like, Hey, like, you know, he's starting to, you know, get past the line of scrimmage. Well, now he's getting to the second level. So there might be a little bit more of a ramp up there. Yeah. I was talking with uh, Ashley uh, Ariana about this yesterday. And, you know, she mentioned that Elijah Mitchell, he's like a, a rhythm rusher, right? Like he, Sometimes he needs a couple of consecutive carries to really get going. And I would even take it a little bit further that, especially when he's coming off injuries, I think it takes him some games to get going, especially when he's missed as much time as he has, right? Sometimes it just takes a while to get that back. And so, yeah, I thought it was cool uh, on Sunday to see some efficiency out of Mitchell. I would expect that comes back. You know, he's several weeks removed from that injury now. So he's got fresh legs now. And I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny, too, because I, I kind of felt like how did that on purpose. But he, he did clarify after that. It was uh, – um, I think he said Bobby Turner, you know, said, you know – McCaffrey's gotten a lot of carries let's put Elijah in and Kyle's like yeah okay uh but I I don't know I thought it was because of the line of questioning that he got about the oh that's in full hat right and it all that's what I thought well (laughs) I I think I think it would have been that and you know shout out to to Grant if you guys know um you know but I think if that was that um he would have got like 10 12 carries like, and like, if he would have got 10, 12 carries, I would have been like, uh-oh, that's definitely a response to that. But love Grant, man. That was such a good question. And You know Kyle's I just, petty. Yeah, he is a little bit, right? But I, I just I, – that was so overblown by, by 49er yeah. fans getting upset about that. That was that was a that was a legit question, I think. That's a legit oh, question. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kyle, Kyle told the Fox broadcast crew he was doing things to try and keep guys fresh for the stretch run. Boom! And I can't even hear that from in the stadium. And I can't hear that from the stadium. And that's what I surmised from it as well, too. So, yeah, Steph – Woo, man, I'm going to lay down because I am jet lagged. But thank you guys for watching. Make sure you guys follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jason Aponte2103. Please like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Podcast Network YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your audio podcasts. And also check out GoldStandardNiners.com where Rob writes up grades. There's a lot of fun stuff on there as well, too, and you can get the feed as well. Whew, Steph, and everybody who's watching, enjoy your time with your family. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Try not to stress out too much on Thanksgiving, even though I'm already sweating. But for Steph, for Jay, we're out of here. Peace. Peace.